Good morning, Washington. Good morning, Richmond, Virginia. Good afternoon. It's 12 noon, and I'm AWOD. You're listening to the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. 910 The Fan, proud to be the home of VCU basketball. Every Rams game can be heard right here on 910 The Fan. I'll be doing the pregame at halftime alongside Robbie Robinson and Rodney Ashby. And today is A-10 Media Day in Brooklyn, New York, as Ryan Odom and Zeb Jackson will be representing VCU for Media Day. I'll give you my black and gold game recap and a special interview with Ralph Theus, the father of Darius Theus, former VCU point guard, and now he's back here with Ram Nation as an assistant coach. So, whatever news and notes come out from out Media Day, we will recap that on the show today. Lane Casadante to go around local sports at 1.30, and then Mark Schofield to talk some NFL at 2 p.m. Uh, Virginia Tech got a good win against Wake Forest. They've got a week off now as they prepare to host Syracuse from Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia. Mike Barber will join us to go around the ACC at 2.30. But you guys know how we like to start the show every day? By catching you up on anything you might have missed around the sports world with the Sports App. Here it is, everybody. Clearly, this is the future. Stats, scores, highlights. Whoa, 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 are you serious? Wi-Fi plus 3G, 64K. This one, this one. The Sports App. And we start in the NFL recapping Monday Night Football. Dallas Cowboys against the Chargers. And I thought Justin Herbert... Did not play well. I didn't think Dak Prescott played that well uh, either, but uh, Dak was able to get the Cowboys on the board in the first quarter. It was third and one, and the entire fan base, the entire audience was watching and thinking Tony Pollard had the ball in his hands. Nope, it was Dak Prescott as he rushed for 18 yards and a touchdown in the first quarter. Here's the call on 105.3, the fan. Now on fourth and one and a half. Prescott is in the gun. Back on his right. They'll give it to Pollard. He's going to be hit from there. Oh, he kept it. He's still good running up the middle. Touchdown. Oh, he faked me out. <laughs> he did not fake out Jake Goldberg. He said, no, he's got it. What a great fake and an 18-yard run up the middle by Dak Prescott. So it ended up being a back-and-forth game. Chargers get a great drive uh, late to tie the game. And then the Cowboys in the fourth quarter send out Brandon Aubrey. For a 39-yard field goal, and he would nail it to give the Cowboys the lead, and they would go on to win 20-17. Here's the call on 105.3, the fan. So Aubrey, with 2.23 to go, is going to try a field goal of 39 yards. His kick is away, and the kick is good, and the Cowboys lead with 2.19 to play by a score of 20-17. So the Cowboys really just needed to erase all of the memories of that terrible game a week before against the San Francisco 49ers. And Dak Prescott, after the game, explained what the win meant to this team. Oh, it was big. Um, obviously, just coming off of the performance last week, uh, just wanting to respond. Uh, this game couldn't, I bet if you asked anybody in the locker room, this game couldn't come fast enough. I just want to get that taste out of your mouth and move forward. Um, that's what our message is really worth this week, but just about moving forward. Um, learning from what, from what happened in the past, but uh, putting putting forward our best effort. And it was a great team. We went out there and we played. We knew it going into this. Uh, very explosive, um, fundamental in all, on all aspects. And 
Uh, huge win, huge win, especially going into the bye week, 4-2, um, everything in front of us. Yeah, I, I was really hoping that we would get the Redskin hat trick of Washington winning, the Eagles losing, the Giants losing, and the Cowboys getting defeated. The Chargers just did not make enough plays in the fourth quarter as the Cowboys eke out a victory 20-17. to And like Dak said, it was a great win for them because they have the bye week now. So uh, a full week off of rest. And you love to have the bye week come after a win rather than a loss. Other news in the NFL. Jags defeat the Colts, and Colts have to deal with that loss and also the loss of their quarterback, Anthony Richardson. Jim Irsay says, probably done for the season. Now he's going to undergo shoulder surgery in the next week or so, team owner told ESPN yesterday. Richardson, this year's fourth overall pick in the draft, sustained an AC joint sprain in his right throwing shoulder during the Colts win week five against the Titans, likely to be gone for the rest of the season. We move over to the MLB here on the sports app. October baseball, playoff baseball. And it felt like nobody knew that there was a playoff game yesterday afternoon between the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros. And the Rangers are now fully in the driver's seat of that best-of-seven series, going up two games to none with a 5-4 to four win. Uh, so that was earlier in the night. And then during Monday Night Football, I had two games on, Monday Night Football on one TV, and the Phillies against the Diamondbacks in this second one. And it was a B-Day bash for Bryce Harper. Here's the call on ESPN Radio as Harper it's a home run to right center field in the bottom of the first for the Phillies. Speaking of no doubters, here's Bryce Harper. The pitch. Swing and a high fly ball drilled right center field. Way back. Gone! Bryce Harper. A solo homer and the Phillies lead it 2 to nothing as he circles the bases. And they're going crazy here at the bank. We should have known that the Phillies were going to make a run this year. Uh, they were in the World Series last year. They just got even better. Of course, they have Harper. They have Schwarber. They have former Washington National. Also, Trey Turner and one of the best hitters in baseball as well as JT Realmuto. And it was his single to left center scoring Bryce Harper in the bottom of the fifth as the Phillies extended their lead and would go on to defeat the Diamondbacks 5-3. to three. Here's the call on ESPN Radio. The 1-1. Swing and a line drive. That's a base hit into left field. Guriel charges. Harper racing around third. Throw to the plate. Too late. Cut off. Throw to second. Too late. Into second is Real Muto. It's an RBI single. And the Phillies now lead it 5-0. That was key for the Phillies to get a game one win in the NLCS to uh, put a little uh, water on the flames that was the Arizona Diamondbacks. They had just done nothing but win in the postseason. One of the hottest bats in baseball. Uh, but the Phillies get the win, and here's the birthday boy Bryce Harper talking about the big win in Game 1. Everything's about momentum this time of year, you know? And and these Arizona's really good at, at creating momentum and then keeping it. So that's one of the things we need to do is is get momentum, keep it, don't let them back in the game. Let's move over to the NHL here on the Sports App. So every day on the Sports App, we track Alex Ovechkin's hunt for history. All right, he has scored a total of 822 goals. He needs 73 to become 
the greatest goal scorer of all time, tracing, chasing the great eight. The great one, Wayne Gretzky. Well, the great eight is 72 goals away from tying Gretzky, 73 away from becoming the greatest goal scorer of all time. And the Caps did get the win last night, but no goals for Ovi. 20 minutes and four seconds on the ice, no shots. He also missed a, um, a shot in the shootout. Uh, but the Caps would get the win thanks to not Michael Phillips, Matthew Phillips scoring a goal assisted by Sonny Milano in the second period. Here's the call on WJFK. Here's Gilbert far side and looking for the touch and a tic-tac-toe. The toe missed. It was Kadri at the left post. Phillips skating now for Washington. He's got Milano with him. Wheels on both sides. Phillips in front. He scores. Matthew Phillips on a great feed from Sonny Milano. The speed of the Caps gets him on the board. The first goal of the season for number 45 in red. It's 2-1. to one. It's good to see some of these young uh, Washington Capitals score. Everyone talks about how old this team is. Connor McMichael, another one of the young guys, he scores a goal assisted by Matthew Phillips and John Carlson in the second period as the Caps would go on to win 3-2. Here's the call on WJFK. Matthew Phillips coming aboard here. The goal scorer with a little touch pass ahead to McMichael. Connor gets the shot away and he scores! Oh, what a terrible goal right through the legs of Markstrom. But a beauty of a play from Connor McMichael. Sticks with it. Down the middle. We're tied at two here in Washington. And if you were watching the game on Monumental Sports Network, you saw that it went to overtime. Three-on-three hockey. Always fun to watch. No goals in overtime. It comes down to a shootout. And it was... Evgeny Kuznetsov, who scored the winning goal for the Caps as they would go on to beat the Flames 3-2. If you watched the game, you saw Kuznetsov take his sweet darn time on that shootout. Uh, probably 20-25 to 25 dekes, but it ends up in the back of the net. Here's the call. So Kuznetsov is going to start it off here. And we'll see if he pulls out the move. He sure does. <laughs> going to slow it down along the right side. So slow. And just going to tap at it here all the way to the net. Slow it down through the right circle. Tap, 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 and score. It works almost all the time. And Markstrom allows it. It caps up early. Taking a page out of Adam Sandler's book from Happy Gilmore. A little tap, tap, taparoo for Kuzi, and the Caps get the win in the shootout. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. We got Stubb producing the show today. Stubb, did you catch up on Survivor? Can we break that down on Netflix today? Oh, absolutely. Okay, cool. Netflix coming up at 2.15. Also got uh, a really interesting non-sports story to bring up. Uh, not sure if I want to do it at 12.45 or 1.45, but MP, I'll let you in. It's an update on in AWOD's dating life. Oh, no. I, you, I, saw, I saw your tweet. The question is, when you meet a girl, how long do you wait until you text her? Now, you're a married man, so yeah. it's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what would you think? What's uh, the first thing that comes to mind? I was once in the game. You know, we, we sent letters. You know, they arrived four days later. You know, <laughs> put the wax seal on them. Uh, I, w- I would do next morning. Absolutely. Next morning. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Not not same night. I don't, I don't feel like... Believe me, I've made that mistake before. <laughs> same night, and then you get the text back, who is this? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I, you got to give it time to breathe. Yeah. I, but I, I think I think next morning's fine. As, yeah. long, as long as you're not like... 
6 a.m. next morning. Yeah, I right. Gotta breathe a little. <laughs> gotta play it cool. So I had a great Saturday night. We'll recap that at 145. Mm-hmm. Lane Casadante talks some local sports here in Richmond, Virginia at 1.30, but you guys know the deal at 12.15. We bring in MP for a little crosstalk. If I could just have your attention. It's crosstalk with Adam Epstein and Michael Phillips on the fan. It's like that 190s movie that everybody loved. What's the name of that movie? It's not crosstalk, but it sounds like crosstalk. It's crosstalk on the fan. Oh, Face Off with Travolta and Nick Cage. But this is crosstalk. All right, you're back. You're back in the building, Michael. Travolta's back. Let's go. Yes. I, I got a question to start crosstalk. Are you going to cover the hottest sports tournament coming to town? Is, is it the Dominion Energy Charity Classic? No, it is not. Okay. It is the 2023 October Pickle Boo at Pouncy Track. The Pickle Boo at Pouncy Track. Yes. And uh, 910 The Fan will have a representative. Playing? Yes. No. Yes, I'm playing singles. Pro Sing- pickleball tournament, ten thousand dollar prize. Singles, yes, singles. Wow, you're not even like you're going to legit run. Yeah, well, Mike Barber was busy on Saturday; uh-huh. he couldn't play doubles yeah. with me, yeah. so uh, I knew I had to sign up. I've been talking a lot of smack on I these airwaves, um, so I'll get my first uh, taste at the real thing. Competition stub, right? You want you're going to come out and cover the event? I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. It's next Friday. Next Friday. Yes, Friday night, five p.m. start. Twilight. If I win, I might be playing till nine. You know, it's double elimination. <laughs> double elimination. Yep. I love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it. I'm okay. fired up. I'm ready to go. I'm going to spend all week now training, getting my body ready to go. Yeah. Practicing. Got to stay healthy. You know, a few months ago, my ankle popped, dealt with a shoulder injury from wiffle ball, but finally healthy once again. You're peaking at the right time. I am. A lot of people are saying that. I am. So, of course, we'd love to talk about the commanders, Michael, when we have you on. And look, we got a big win. Uh, over the Atlanta Falcons. I said yesterday, though, it felt like Heineke would have won that game for the Atlanta Falcons. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I liked Desmond Ritter in the first half. I thought he made some some decent decisions. I, You know, you take the whole package of both of them, and Ritter had some really bad plays. I think on the whole, you see why they're still investing in him, why they're keeping him moving. You would say the same about Sam Howell. Made some bad plays. You can see why they're investing in them and not just chasing the immediate wins. I I agree with you, though. Heineke, late-game magic, three tries in the fourth quarter. Yeah. You get three possessions in the fourth quarter. That's tough. Like, no matter how much you're learning or growing as a quarterback, you get three possessions in the fourth quarter to, to not come away with points on those. That is a tough look. Yeah, and him and his coach were not on the same page. No. They were rushing things. Then they had the false start. Then they had to call the timeout. The on spike the other play into the timeout. Yeah, so it bad. Is bottoming out. Yeah, and and I will say though, I was impressed with some of the play design from Arthur Smith. They had guys wide open, like the flea flicker in the first quarter. Oh. They had guys wide open. And in terms of our offensive coordinator, you know I'm the biggest Eric Bieniemy fan. I but do. I said yesterday. I'm a fan of Eric Bieniemy calling passing plays. His running plays seem kind of basic right now to the point where I almost think he's running them just to get Ron Rivera to shut the hell up. <laughs> right? <laughs> Every, Ron made such a big deal about 55 straight passes, so he said, you know what? We'll run it up the gut on second and down. If you want my quarterback to face third and long, fine, Ron. That's a that's a plausible theory. That, that is absolutely a plausible theory here. And I, 
I've always said this. We talked about defensive talent last week. I think Brian Robinson is a touch overrated in terms of what he can do within the flow of the offense. I think he's a three-yard-to-carry guy. Sometimes he breaks one, we get excited. I think he's fundamentally a three-yard-to-carry guy. But I, I agree with you that it, you, there were some situations where this is weird because it feels like Eric Bieniemy would throw a pass here, and here we are not throwing a pass in this situation. Yep, but we got to give Eric Bieniemy credit. Scott Turner didn't realize that you could throw to Brian Robinson. How Jr. about that? How about that? Dude has such good hands. How did you not notice that for an right. entire calendar year? Like, how did you? How did you miss that during every practice for a whole year? His hands are so good. Yeah, and you get him in space, and he becomes a legit weapon. He's I do, a bowling ball. I do think he's more of a Lendell White than a Chris Johnson, like you're saying. Like, you got to get him in space. He's good on third and ones, yeah. but I don't know about handing it to him on first and second down. Uh, that's why you got to have a guy like Antonio Gibson stay confident, not turn the ball over. He looked good. And Curtis Samuel looked good, too. Yes. And he's another guy you can get the ball in space to. And, and you know, you've got options here with Rodriguez coming in too to get some carries. I, I I saw enough there to trust him to get more carries yep. going forward in the future. You need a stable of backs because if you're going to get in games where you do want to run it 20, 30 times, you're not going to want to give B-Rob every one of those carries. Michael, we've got the Richmond Commander every day at 1 p.m. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. You could be the quarterback of that segment. If you're a Commanders fan, always call in at 1 p.m. We're talking Commanders. The question of the day today is... Should Commanders fans be worried about Sam Howell getting hurt? About Sam Howell getting hurt because of all the sacks, because of the beating he's taking. He Dude is taking a, a record-setting number of hits, and it's not particularly close. And he, is, he has been bouncing up after all of them. I, I really disapproved of leaving him in late in the Bears game to take two extra ones because this toll's already already happening on him. I... He's got to learn somehow, and I thought it was interesting, Ron Rivera's comment, that he felt Sam Howell's internal clock was too fast in the fourth quarter, that he was speeding his way out of it. He's got to find that sweet spot. That's not going to be easy for him. That's going to be a tricky balance. Anybody who takes that number of sacks, you got to be worried, and he runs with the ball. I mean, all all your warning lights are on there. Yeah, not a fan of Ron Rivera calling out his quarterback before watching the tape and then saying, hey, I've got to watch the tape. But it felt like he was moving a little too fast. I'm not worried about Sam Howell getting hurt because of how much he ran in college. And he's a bulkier quarterback. And I feel like he can take these hits. Now, I don't want him to get hit when he runs, a la Haloti Nada taking down RG3, and all of a sudden your knee pops and you're never the same. Uh, But I'm not as much worried about the sacks because, you know, they really do take good care of quarterbacks in the NFL. If he gets too hard, they're going to call it roughing the passer. As we saw when uh, um, Blake on his name, Cody Barton, yeah. the Cody Barton roughing the passer, right? Ridiculous! That was a great blitz. They finally came home. Everything I've been yelling for for two weeks. Quan Martin got to the quarterback just, too. Just finally showing pressure, yeah. which is so so important because then they have to think about pressure. It, it just puts one more thing on the quarterback's plate. So so important. Uh, I mean, the problem with Sam Howell is he's not protecting himself. He's running into sacks. He's yeah. he's running into trouble, and you can't fix that, and you can't legislate your way out of that. There's there's a genuine level of concern there. I don't know that it's an injury concern to me. It's a maybe he's never going to figure this out concern. Like, I don't want to overreact. It's six games. It's just six games. But it's also that whole year at UNC where he kept doing this. It's a definite pattern. I mean, does he have one thrown pass away this year? Does he have one? (laughs) It's it's a move we've got to add to the yards. Was it a Jim Zorin, I think, was trying to teach Jason Campbell to slide because Jason Campbell couldn't slide? It's you got to teach him that move somehow. And that, that's Eric Bianami's job right now. You got to get him there.
Yeah, I know. It's a concern. Uh, but I would say my bigger concern about the sacks is it's just that it, it stalls a lot of drives. That's the biggest thing. It's not that he's going to get injured, all right? And I think you can coach this out of him, but it's more the fact that, man, one sack and our team is not good enough to bounce back from those, you know? And, and that's why I don't like the second down runs that the enemy was calling in the yeah. first half because it just felt like it was like, yeah, Ron, I ran, did you see I ran the damn ball? We got one yard. And that's all it felt like. When you know? they get behind the sticks, it's over. Yeah. You know, any holding call does them in. Yeah. Any Sam Howell sack does them in. And I mentioned in my show, I didn't mind the play calling late. The Sam Howell throws. Yeah, a couple drop passes. I think I think he gave Sam Howell a chance to succeed. It just didn't work on the execution side. But once they miss on first down, man, it does feel like you might as well just punt and get it over with. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you know I, I went back and forth on it, right? Like. It's obviously the not not the right time in the game to go play action deep throw, all right, and then have your receiver drop it. But if you hit one of those, it's over. We're talking about a thirty-one to fourteen final score, ball right? Ball game, yeah. It's, it's ball game. He, so he's playing to win. I yeah. don't mind coaching to win. He's not just playing to win, though. That I think it's bigger than that. He's playing to show everyone yes. that his statistics say that he's a top ten offensive coordinator. He, he's that's why he kept Sam Howell in against the Bears because it does not matter the score for the opposing team. It can't. It matters how much Eric Bieniemy gets his offense to score. And, and those first couple weeks when he was like eighty percent pass, he was yeah. making a statement. This this is how I coach. This is how I'm going to win football. And games. you know what? That's how you win in 2023 in the National Football League. I it like really him. is. I want to keep him. I, I, I mean, we got a lot of football left, but I, I really like what I've seen so far. What do you think of Jack Del Rio's defense? I, I fine. You can not fire him this week, but if you want to fire him, you can. That would yeah. st- that would still be fine with him. Yeah. Me. I mean, it, he still had the same mistakes a, where they they don't blitz when you need him to. It's just so predictable, right? Where he's like, Kyle Pitts is going to get right. They're going to convert right. all their third and longs. It's just, I, you can just call before the game what's going to happen. Well, that's what I said yesterday. It's it's a term in basketball. I I know we talk about it in college basketball and sometimes in the NBA. Know your personnel. Yeah. NYP, right? This guy's a three point shooter. You got to have a hand in his face. It's the same thing. Know your personnel in football. You got to know the Falcons want to target Kyle Pitts on third down. You got to know when they send Bijan Robinson out, they're probably going to throw to him. Yeah. And yet we had linebackers covering the two. It, w- it wasn't good. And, it, it, you know, they go to the f- the heavy set, the five defensive linemen, which I think lets Chase Young play the way he's naturally able to play. I think Jack Del Rio's almost conceded, like, this guy's not going to listen to me and play within the system. So let's at least put him in a spot where he can maybe be a little more productive, yeah. uh, which, which isn't a great long term thing. But here we are. This is what we're dealing with. Um, but, man, I just, just so many predictable lapses. That's Michael Phillips. Check out MP on the mic Monday through Friday right here on 910 The Fan from 10 to 12 noon. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. My black and gold game recap is coming up next. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105 1 FM. 910 The Fan is proud to be the home of the black and gold VCU basketball. Every game can be heard. Right here on 910 The Fan with the great Robbie Robinson alongside Rodney Ashby. So I was at the Siegel Center on Saturday. First chance to get to see the new video board. Really high definition. It's huge. Uh, They've got another board surrounding the stadium that they can show stats on and the score of the game. So, you know, that was kind of an issue at times uh, in previous years where you only had limited options to see where the score was or or to check the player stats and things like that. I remember my friend saying, oh, we got to use the Wi-Fi here because I want to find out how many points 
Uh, Ace Baldwin has, blah, blah, blah. You'll be able to see all of that a lot clearer this season. So <clears throat> the women came out first to a really decent crowd. I mean, you got to love that Ram Nation supporting the men and the women's basketball team. Uh, and then Ryan Odom came out, and uh, you had all of the people show up for the black and gold game, which was the black against the white. And uh, I thought it was a really great crowd around 5'10 for the tip-off. And my first thought immediately was, we look really tall. We look like a really tall team, and I wanted to kind of compare it to previous seasons because, look, last year down low, we had Christian Furman, uh, didn't play as much. Jalen Deloach, kind of an undersized center. Brandon Johns Jr., also kind of undersized. This year, Roosevelt Wheeler, monster, so big. Christian Furman looks like he's gotten even taller. Kwani Kwani, 2K. He's like six foot ten, can handle the rock and can shoot the ball. Michael Bell looks tall and looks like he's going to make an immediate impact on the defensive side of the ball. Fats Billups might have even grown slightly. Sean Bearstow has height. Furman had a windmill Duncan warm-up showing that he's got uh, some ups. And the guys looked fired up in good spirits. One injury note. Toby Lawal missed the game. He was in concussion protocol after being elbowed in the head during practice last week. But the matchups to watch out for, I think most people were noticing, were these three. You had Zeb Jackson on the white team against Jason Nelson, the other point guard. And then you had Berso against Shulga, the two Utah State transfers. And then down low, Wheeler against Furman. So let's get to my game notes here. Zeb started the game with a steal. Love to see that from him defensively. I think if you're looking at anybody to make first-team all-defense, remember Ace Baldwin was the A-10 Defensive Player of the Year, you're looking at Zeb Jackson to hopefully be uh, a really good defender in the A-10. Joe Bamisil, oh my goodness, made an early impact. A couple great drives and finishes, and I just looked at the guy next to me, and I was like, wow, this guy looks like an established college basketball player. Uh, solid defense there by the black team as they went out to an early lead as Bamisil with another great drive, and then he dumped off to Roosevelt Wheeler for a flush. Kwani Kwani was the small forward for the white team, 6'9 on the books, but it looks to me like he's almost seven foot because he's so slender and he's really skinny and tall, but super athletic. He showed me that he can shoot from the outside and can drive to the basket. If we're looking at anybody on this team that I think has like potential NBA potential, I think Kwani Kwani, if he gets to his ceiling at VCU, could be an NBA guy. Sean Barstow showed me that he has the ability, even though he has some height, that he can handle the rock. He was able to drive and finish at the basket. Bamisil, another drive and finish. And he was just, throughout the game, he looked so polished, right? It was a steal, and then he gets fouled. Or then he drives, then he finds uh, another teammate under the basket for a flush. He was just the ultimate playmaker uh, there for the black squad. Uh, had another steal, and then hit Jason Nelson for a three-pointer. Then he hits a three-pointer, and just like that, the black team was up 18-5, to and Joe Bamisil was obviously your game MVP. I'm sitting there saying to myself, I need Zeb Jackson to be more aggressive running the offense for the white team here. He's got to be the leader, and that's what he did. And I, I noticed Coach Odom at that point when the white team was down 22-5 to went over to speak to the white team as they were really struggling to score. The offense was looking stagnant. You know, one pick and roll doesn't work, and then it was just individual play for the white team there. Uh, the black team was playing much more as a team, and Bamisil was their leader as he would continue to hit threes, and he got to 11 points at the start of the second quarter, two rebounds, two assists, just totally dominant. 
Uh, like I said, both Utah State transfers showed me that they can really handle the ball, which is going to be important for a team that's uh, missing two really great guards from last year in Ace Baldwin and Jaden Nunn. Michael Bell hit a contested three, another assist for Bamisil, and Michael Bell's game is going to be interesting. To me, it seems like he's recently learning how to shoot the ball, but my goodness, he can defend and he can rebound at the major college basketball level. Like, I think he's going to make a huge, a huge impact right away defensively and rebounding for the Rams. Zeb Jackson started getting into it. Great drive and finish. Uh, 28-7 was the score. Then Kwani Kwani gets a steal and a score. Furman gets a bucket, and all of a sudden the white team's getting back into it. And like I said, Kwani Kwani is just a really impressive talent. Tall, but can move and can shoot. I think he's going to be interesting combo guard forward. Fats Billups looked to me like a little bit more bolt, uh, uh, a little bit more built, some bulk on him. Uh, the game might be moving a little too fast for him right now, uh, but you know what? We're going to see him improve throughout the season. I think he's probably uh, an off the bench guy uh, for VCU. Shoga. Showed me he can score the ball a ton. He hit a three to start the third quarter as the white team started to get back into it. Michael Bell with some really impressive moves and finishes down low. And at that point, you saw Darius Theus and Bradford Burgess, the two assistant coaches and former players for VCU, look at each other like, man, this guy looks like a young Trevion Graham almost. The way he can kind of put his shoulder down and, and uh, freight train to the basket. Uh, but he's also got some finesse moves also. Sholga scored again. He had nine points at that point in the third quarter. Uh, but Bamisel kept playing strong for the black team. And it it was really nice to see the white team, though, showing a lot more energy and hustle in the second half. Uh, Jackson teamed up with Christian Furman, and all of a sudden we're looking at a seven-point game. The crowd's starting to get into it. Zeb Jackson, corner three, is good. And just like that, we've got a ball game, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Bamisil hits a deep three-pointer as well there. It's 46-40 to to start the fourth quarter of the black and gold game, and that's exactly what you want. You want this thing to go down to the wire. Max Sholga hits a big three. Roosevelt Wheeler with two big blocks. That's going to be interesting to watch this season. If Roosevelt Wheeler can defend the basket, then it won't matter as much how much he can convert offensively. We need him to be a rim protector. That's what VCU is looking out of Wheeler. And then offensively, work on your hook shot, finish with dunks around the basket, be able to convert from the free throw line. That's going to be important. Um, 48-50 with two minutes left. Zeb Jackson hit a three to cut it to two. And uh, it was a great chance for everyone to see, including Coach Odom, what kind of clutch performance these guys could put up in a tight game, 50-50 to after a pair of free throws from Christian Furman. He looked good from the free throw line. That was important. And then what happened on the final play of the game, it was great ball movement from the black team. Shot goes in and out. Roosevelt Wheeler with the tip in to give the black team the one-point lead, and they would go on to win 53-4, uh, to uh, four, excuse me, 54-53. to 53. It was an excellent showing. A lot of guys showed me they have some potential. Like I said, my game MVP was by far Joe Bamisil. He was dominant. Uh, so I, I really hope that the NCAA allows him to play for VCU this season. Jason Nelson hit a couple threes. That was important uh, for the black squad there. I do think that Zeb Jackson will be your starting point guard. And so after the black and gold game, I do want to give you guys 
AWOD's thoughts here on a potential starting five for the VCU basketball team this season. I do like Zeb Jackson to be my starting point guard. Look, he's your veteran. He's your captain. I think you have to get him in the lineup. If Bamasil is allowed to play, he's your starting two. If not, it's Max Shulga. At three, I have Sean Barristow. Four, I think it could be Michael Bell. It could be Kwani Kwani. I'm putting Michael Bell at the four. And although we have not seen him play, I do believe Toby Lawall in his 49-inch vertical will be your starting center for VCU this season. After the game, I caught up with Mr. Theus, Ralph Theus, the father of new VCU assistant and former Ram point guard Darius Theus after the black and gold game. Theus, better known as Ike. <laughs> I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to 910 The Fan now at 105.1 FM here with Mr. Theus, Ralph Theus, father of Darius Theus. And so I actually interviewed you on the court here Oh, my goodness. Maybe eight years ago. It was my first game I was covering as a freshman, and I saw you with your famous sign. Number 10 is my son, and I wanted to talk to you after the game. But here you are back with your son coaching the black and gold game. Yes, it's a full circle. Glad to be here. I miss uh, VCU, so I'm grateful that uh, they gave Darius the opportunity to come back home. When you heard about this as a possibility, what was going through your mind? Man, I was praying that uh, everything worked in his favor. And it seemed like it came full circle. So I've heard a lot of really great things about him getting on the road and recruiting and and really making a name for himself in this industry. But now he'll be on the bench. Big difference. Big difference. Big difference. He'll be calling the plays. He'll be calling the shots. Uh, I'm glad uh, Coach Odom gave him the opportunity to come back home and uh, work alongside him. You've got great Ram pride. You've got the great sweatshirt and the hat. How good does it feel to be back here at the Seagull Center? Oh, it feels great, man. It feels great. Uh, ran across so many people tonight to see them once again and tell me how proud they are, Darius, to be here uh, coaching on their staff. Fun black and gold game. Goes down to the wire. Black wins 58-56. What were your takeaways of the guys? Uh, it was great. A uh, lot of energy, a lot of great players. Point guard look good. Yeah. The centers look good. So uh, they just keep gelling and uh, they're going to be all right. Yeah, felt the same thing. A lot of really good potential there. So, man, it's got to be good to be back here. Proud of your son. Proud of my son, man. Yeah. Darius has put in the work. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. This is Switchfoot. They performed live at the National on Friday night, and it was awesome. So I wanted to recap that, stub. So big shout-out to our friends at Alt-1021. They had a party for Elliot in the morning, got Elliot back to Richmond. And, and it's cool because I've been listening to Elliot in the morning, it seems like, since I was in high school. Like, everybody knows who Elliot in the morning is. Uh, it's one of the most popular shows in the DMV and here in Richmond on Alt-1021. And so we got Elliot to Richmond. They had a happy hour at Penny Lane Pub. And uh, stop. Bennett, the big boss, came from Richmond, came in here, personally invited you. I know. But you I know. were too busy. <laughs> I was. It was It was very unfortunate. <laughs> so I went out there at like 4 o'clock, all right? And, and, and B says, hey, open tab. So I took 
full advantage of that. Started with like a Sweetwater 420 drink, and then uh, Zach switched over to the Hazy IPA, so I was drinking those. And it was just awesome to kind of bond with everyone from our building. Um, one of my favorite sales guys, Kent, was in there. Uh, looked like he was at the beach. He was having a good time, <laughs> relaxing. Uh, got to meet Elliot. And then we went over to the National and saw Switchfoot perform uh, their sound check. I've never been to Soundcheck before. I don't think anyone does Soundcheck like Switchfoot. They were literally letting the audience say, "Hey, what should we what should we sing?" One guy yelled out, "Yesterday" by the Beatles. And they were like, "All right, screw it. We'll play that. We're just warming up." It was so cool. Uh, got to meet the band members uh, after Soundcheck, took a photo with them, which was awesome. Then went back to Penny Lane Pub, had more drinks with Elliot, and I was just blown away by how many Elliot and the Morning fans there were. Alt 1021. And the coolest thing about it was it was like all ages. You know, like we were talking to this one woman who was there with her mom. And they were both big Elliot fans. And then there were, you know, guys of all ages there. A lot of hockey fans. And Elliot's a huge hockey fan. And he skipped the Caps opening night to be here in Richmond. So uh, that was awesome. It was a really cool event. And it's just great to see Odyssey put on an awesome event here in Richmond. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I was sad I missed it because I don't know a lot of people in the building. Right. But yeah. I just kind of see you and MP. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about it. And Zach every once in a while, right? And so, yeah, so it was great bonding. And then we went back to the National uh, VIP. That was the first time I was doing that, right? You got to go up to the VIP lounge, get a drink, and then you're watching it, like, from above, which was mm. really cool. And what was the name of that song we just played uh, Switch for uh, there? Meant to Live. Meant to Live. They played that one. That was a good one. Um, they had another one, Dare Dare to Move. Don't you? What is the move uh, song? Uh, Dare you to move. Dare you to move. That's a classic. My dad likes that song. And so I just didn't realize that I love some of Switchfoot's hits. It took me back to when I was a teenager. I'd come home from school and I'd turn on Madden or I'd turn on NBA and FIFA, and Switchfoot was featured in a lot of video games. So it took me back uh, to my childhood and just had a had a great night. So big shout out to. All of Odyssey Richmond, Alt 1021, uh, LA from the promotions team for putting on uh, a great, a great event. And it was a ton of fun on Friday night. And uh, then this other um, non sports story that I wanted to get to here that just kind of blew my mind. And we're going through our non sports store segments of the day. The Best Buy CEO. All right, Best Buy. That was one of my favorite stores growing yeah. up, right? I used to go to Best Buy anytime my parents would let me buy a new video game, buy a new controller, or, oh, I got this bar mitzvah money, let me buy a laptop, right? Or mm -hmm. maybe I bought an iPod Touch there or iPod <laughs> Nano. I, mean, I, I bought so many things from Best Buy. Like, my dad's probably got a million points at Best Buy <laughs> because that's where we wouldn't go to Radio Shack or Circuit City. No, I would demand to go to the best place, Best Buy, right? Well, the Best Buy CEO came out in an interview on Fortune. He's blaming Taylor Swift for the sales slump at Best Buy. <laughs> How does that even make sense? How does that make sense? Was there more? Did, did he have a quote about is it? it? Is, it is, is, is that a hot take or what? This, <laughs> Here's more of the story, all right? The business of at-home technology has taken a hit recently. And we all understand that, right? It makes mm -hmm. sense. I'm, I mean, uh, believe me, I, I don't go to Dick's Sporting Goods anymore. There's some stores that have kind of just lost touch with reality. I mean, you go to Dick's and it's like $45 for shorts. No, thank you. I'll go to no. Walmart, all right? Uh, but the business of at-home tech has taken a hit recently, and the CEO of Best Buy thinks she knows the reason why. Her name is Corey Berry, and she is placing the blame on something called funflation. Not inflation, Funflation. 
I'd never heard of that term. <laughs> yeah, look it up on Urban Dictionary. Tell me what it means. But in her eyes, currently, Americans in this country are more interested in spending money on experiences, like seeing Taylor Swift, and that is pushing, quote, big-ticket electronics onto the back burner. What do you think about that? Uh, well, big ticket electronics are fun. Yes. Like it's a, just a, it's it's one fun versus another. Like, right. But also, I don't think people are saying, "Oh, I just spent a thousand dollars on Taylor Swift tickets. Now I can't buy that eighty-two inch flat screen." Right. They, I, that's they, not they the don't same go, market. Yeah, they don't go two and two. <laughs> no, not at all. No, no. What is going on here? That's a. I don't agree with that at all. Uh, I will say, I've had enough of Taylor Swift. I mean, my goodness, she's always in the news now. And everyone's going to see her movie now. I mean, my goodness, every girl that I follow on Instagram posted that they went to see Taylor and everything's all about Taylor's version. I've had enough of it. There's there's some scary videos of the theaters. Yeah. Some 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 people holding hands, dancing in a circle. Right. Scr- I'm- oh my, I guess, yeah, I saw one video where it's like, nobody's sitting in their seats. They're just dancing around singing I'm, Taylor songs. I'm terrified because me and my friend are going to go see Killers of the Flower Moon on uh-huh. Thursday. What if we're right next to them? Yeah, I know. Right? It's, a, it's just I this know. quiet, nobody sad has, movie. Nobody has theater <laughs> etiquette anymore when they go to see Taylor Swift. They're all whipping their phones out. Oh, I got to go on Instagram Live, y'all. I got to TikTok this. It was, Bar- Barbie was bad for me oh, with the, with the videos, like, the flashes. Oh, the was people, there a lot of flashes? A lot of flash. People oh, trying to tell. clap along to one of the songs. Oh, my gosh. It, there was a little kid running around in front of us the whole time. Ugh. All right. Do you have the definition of funflation I, for us? Everything I find is related to Taylor Swift, so I don't. <laughs> so maybe I'm, she's just still I, stealing that term straight it's not from Swifties. On, it's not on Urban Dictionary. It's yeah. just a bunch of articles. I guess quoting the best. I guess this is the Best Buy CEO made this up. Maybe I, I. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe she does have a point. Like if I'm going to spend five hundred dollars to go to a football game. Then I guess I don't have money to buy the new TV. But I'm really, it's hard to find a correlation. But like, there. what? That's not new. Right. Like, yeah. Right. Like, There's, that's why <laughs> people have been going to football yeah, games for years. Think, yeah. And, and the problem I'll say is TVs are too cheap now. That, that's why you're not making money, Best Buy. I remember when my dad bought our, our first ever big screen TV, that thing was like $2,000. Yeah. Now, like, you get a smart TV for 100 Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So you want, you want a, a big screen? It's like 350 at the most now. At the most. Yeah. And I'm not paying that. Yeah. Yeah. I just take what my parents buy a new one. I get the old one. You get the old one. <laughs> that's that's my system. I'll tell you, in my apartment, I do have, I still have our 55 inch TV that we bought our sophomore year in college, where we all came together to buy the TV, and somehow that thing has lasted. So that's your problem, Best Buy. These TVs last forever. Yeah. Why it, would I have to buy a new one? If it works, it works. Yeah. And and now my buddy moved in. He has surround sound. That's the movie. That's the movie place oh, now. Really? So he got surround I, I'm sound. looking into surround sound. Give me your situation. What, oh, it's does, nice. Is it a Sonos? What is it? Oh, I don't know. It's okay. his. Like it's he's like across yeah. the hall. Is but it multiple speakers? It's multiple speakers. Really? Yeah. It, and it's surround sound. It's like surround it sound. You. It surrounds you. Wow. So that's where I watch Red Zone. That's yeah. where I watch movies now. Is his house? Go. It's it's a lot better. Yeah. Because it, it, there'll be like a little bit of rain in the movie, and yeah. you hear it behind you, and it's like you don't even know it's in the movie. You know what's overrated? And believe me, I spent five hundred dollars on this thing. A sound bar. No, I got a sound bar. They don't. They don't make you sound like surround sound. No, it sounds good directly in front of you. Yeah, but it doesn't. It's, whip, <laughs> it doesn't whip around like they no, say it does. No, no, it's Not better. I mean, like it's better than just the TV. Yeah, but it, if you're 
It's not as round. <laughs> no, 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 no. I need to upgrade my sound bar because that's the one thing. I've got my AWOD theater where I've got, you know, a couple screens. I've got a computer there. I can watch whatever I want. I have the boys over to watch Sunday Night Football and all that stuff. Uh, but it needs to sound better. Yeah, I want it, my apartment to be rocking. Yeah, you're you know? you're delayed on that. If you're, if you're getting multiple TVs before surround sound, I know. you're, you're because, lacking. Because I was told that the sound bar was good enough. <laughs> It's not. It's not good enough. It's not no, good enough. No, you can't do that. Certainly not good enough. But you're right. If you're just if if it's 2023 and you have people over and you're using television speakers, no, 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 no. I'll, I'm gonna even call out one of my friends. I went over to his house. He was illegal street illegally streaming a game. I said this game is way too important for me to deal with the lag and the delays. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? You gotta if you want to have a party. You gotta have cable or yeah. YouTube TV. If you're gonna host, you can't be using you pirate no. t- television. No, no way. Like, yeah, my my job is sound, so yeah. you can trust me. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Need. you know what? I, I need to come over and check out your buddy's sound system. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, and he, I mean, he works for he's he's. You think can't, he spent like a thousand bucks on it, or is it like uh, not yet? But he's gonna. Oh, he he oh, just started. Gonna, he just started. He's a he's camera like guy. Collecting speakers. He's and, a camera guy for NBC now, so oh. he's about to. Yeah, oh, so he's probably cool. gonna start upgrading. I love that. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM.